Hello, and welcome to Spectology, the science fiction book club podcast. I'm your host, Matt. And I'm Adrian. Welcome, welcome. This time we're doing another Things We Like episode as part of our On Again, Off Again series about stuff that we enjoy in life. Stuff that we might not otherwise talk about on the podcast, but word, we just want yeah. to gush about. <laughs> we do, we do. So, uh, you know, hopefully you guys like this. Definitely, if you like any things we like, or if you don't like any of the things we like, let us know. Yeah. We'd like to know what you think. Or at least hashtag, hashtag engagement. <laughs> Bring it. <laughs> So, um, without further ado, Adrian, what's something that you like? Okay. Are you ready? Are you ready, Matt? I'm, 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 I'm maybe we'll see. Zanu koko na tenishi no yo ni shou en yoshi ni wa ni nainare. So you like karaoke? But <laughs> uh, I've been rewatching Ava, uh, obviously uh, Neon Genesis Evangelion, uh, and awesome. it's so great. I haven't seen it since college. Uh, yeah, again, Neon Genesis Evangelion. It is a anime from it's like 25 years old at this points from like the mid 90s um and it was recently re-released on netflix like they worked out all the rights and stuff so it's mostly intact there's like the ending song is different um because they can get the rights reasons, to that right. right um they couldn't get the streaming rights in america such bs and the, the stuff is always complicated um but it is cool because like Ava's fucking awesome. Like I rewatched <laughs> it was like, oh yeah, that's right. This is like one of the best TV shows ever. I forgot. Yeah. Um, it's I so just, good. I just finished the TV show yesterday, so I'm going to watch end of Evangelion, the like kind of Ooh. movie. That's the alternate ending. Um, yeah over the weekend at some point when it's like a hundred degrees on Sunday and I don't want to leave the house. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it's like a giant robots battling, like angels slash alien things combined with like you know freudian analysis combined with like you know like christian and buddhist mythology combined with i mean it's just like all the things i like right like it's all like i i could just say that over and over again um <laughs> combined with like a badass like intro song um as as y'all heard <laughs> earlier oh man um yeah, yeah so it, i know you've amazing. seen this before too right yeah, yeah, I've seen it a couple times. I I have not rewatched it in many years though, and I probably want to do that at some point. Um, it holds up better on rewatch. Like yeah, I get I it more and like it more now than I did in college, and I That's loved awesome. it in college. And you know, I like in high school I was really into uh Fully Cooley, the another yeah. Gynex um kind of like short much shorter uh series and so you know i was really into ava when i watched it but it, it is just i feel like the older i get the more i really can engage with the themes and really understand i mean like the the spoiler alerts for literally a 25 year old cartoon um but like the final <laughs> two episodes take place fully in the main character's like mind as he tries to like understand whether he is like like if he is deserves existence or not essentially and like that is super intense (laughs) and like not the way you expect a like you know giant robots battling giant aliens tv show to end but i think it like might be one of the best endings to a tv show ever i think we could easily do a month on ava to be honest yeah (laughs) like it would be easy a hundred percent it would be awesome too and maybe we should do that (laughs) because i have like 
50 things to say about Ava, but I'll just leave it at that because this is a thing that you like. And right. Well, and, no, uh, I'm, 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 ha- I mean, like, I know we, we don't have time. We don't have time. I mean, like, sorry, if right, we're going right. to do any of the other things. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. I guess I do have a hard out too, but yeah, I tell me, tell me one thing you like about Ava. Like, okay. like give one thing. Okay. One thing that I like about Ava is that it's the work, it's the product of an auteur. Like in almost like the mm-hmm. classic sense of like auteur filmmaking, like it's this one guy's like incredible vision plumbing the depths of his own psyche. I mean, it's mm-hmm. other things, too. This isn't the only thing that it is. But right. that's a thing that TV shows like even now in the so-called golden age kind of don't do. I mean, maybe mm. sometimes a little, but like mostly, you know, there's yeah. the there's the there's the writer's room. There's this idea that like, mm-hmm. you know, it's a collaborative narrative. And that's mm-hmm. kind of fundamental to so much of what TV is. But this is not that. It's, or at least it's not only that. I mean, there's there's a lot of collaboration, obviously, going obviously, into this. Right. But, but I mean, it, it's so much more than any other TV show I can think of. It has that auteur. And so when you're talking about the ending where he's in his own mind, I mean, we're it's us like going into the mind of the creator. I mean, this is a dude. Yeah. You know, um, Ano Hideki is like a guy who uh, has attempted suicide. And like when he is talking about plump, like whether he deserves to exist or not, like he, he is talking about, he that. means it. Yeah. You know, there's an amazing story about how actually, um, Hayao Miyazaki, uh, saved mm-hmm. his life by convincing him not to kill himself. Mm-hmm. Um, that's a whole other thing, but anyway, right. It's, it's, it's amazing. I guess we should do like a content warning for suicide on the front. Yeah. Of this sorry. Episode, but yeah. That's no, true. no, we but should. it's, it's, I, I, I didn't think about it, but like the, I mean this, the, the series also deserve like, yeah. it's very much a like yeah. TV show about depression for all that. It's about all mm-hmm. these other things. Like I'd say like the central thing it's actually about is depression and anxiety and you know, the anxiety of existence. Um, uh, yep. It's heavy. It's really heavy and sad. I mean, like I cried so many times watching it. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, I'm a crier, but like even yeah. so, like it, it's so it's intense heavy. and heavy it's and heavy. like relatable. Um, For sure. So yeah, Matt, what's your what's your thing you like? <laughs> well, uh, first thing I've got here for you is uh, the music of Yasmin Lacey. Um, cool. This is uh, she's somebody who uh, she's based in the UK. Um, she is a musician who, I guess, genre-wise, you could classify as, like, um, jazz, maybe? Jazz singing? But it's, you know, it's very modern, and it sort of crosses a lot of genres, and, uh, I think it's, like, beautiful summer night music, which is why oh, I've been listening to it a lot. Fuck yeah. Yeah, so, so the album in particular I've been listening to a lot is When the Sun Dips 90 Degrees. Which, I mean, among many other things that I like about great albums, it has amazing cover art. <laughs> um, so, so yeah, highly recommended. Yasmin Lacey, you can find her work on Bandcamp. Um, nice. And you can support her if you do so. Um, that's probably, you know, I don't know for sure. But that that is, for other artists I have talked to, that is a, a, a they, they prefer that to, to Spotify. But by all means, mm-hmm. listen to her on other other things if you'd like. Um, so, uh, so, yeah, I mean, I guess... You know, there's not as much, you know, kind of critical stuff to say about this. I, I think one of the things that I really love about it is that um, it's is how, how modern it is. You know, I love jazz mm-hmm. and I, I, I particularly among among the many kinds of jazz that I love is jazz that engages with now. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so this is something that, you know, it's it's like not just a rehash of old bossa nova tracks. It's not a rehash of like. Alice Coltrane stuff from the seventies or eighties or something or later. Mm -hmm. Um, it's, it's a new thing that it's got, you know, 
African influences. It's influenced by UK rap. It's influenced by all kinds of things. Um, at least to my to my ear, you know. Right. I'm, I'm sure that uh, Yasmin Lacey would say would have other stuff to say, but it's just really, really, and it, and it's, it like makes you feel good on a summer night. It's awesome. Mm-hmm. That's great. I I I always appreciate it when you talk about music because like you know jazz and I don't, but I enjoy it. So it's so every time it's like, oh, this is a cool new like modern artist doing interesting stuff that I want to listen to. So I'm I'm excited to get to listen to that. It sounds really great. One of my favorite jazz albums ever is um Miles Davis sketches from Spain. Um, yeah, that's an amazing and, album. And like to when you say like summer night music, like those like <laughs> yeah. first opening chords oh, yeah. of that album are like exactly what I think. So I'm like yeah. really excited. Cause like summer yeah. night jazz is, is some of the best, oh, especially yeah. when it's a hundred degrees out. <laughs> Sketches from Spain is an absolutely incredible record, but yeah, anyway, cool. Sweet. What's another thing you like? Yeah. I'll, I'll also talk about music. Um, some music I've been listening to recently. This is not, so this is not one particular artist or song or album or whatever. It's more like kind of a style of music that I've been like listening to and liking a lot recently. And like, I guess what I would call it is like Gen Z music. It's like music <laughs> like for or and by Gen Z artists or audiences. Um, I'm thinking of Billie Eilish. I'm thinking of Lil Nas X and I'm thinking of, and this, I don't know how closely this actually fits, but kind of like the goth boy click SoundCloud rappers, um, like would be the three that really kind of stand out to me. And obviously goth boy click is like, you know, 10 or 15 different artists or whatever. Um, but like, and I, I do want to like state, like I'm going to sound like a fuddy duddy talking about this. Cause I'm like a dude in my like early thirties talking about shit. I don't fully understand, but like, I love it. Like Lil Nas X's um, old old town road is this like, you know, kind of country trap hit that has been like, you know, number one in America for like four or five months now. It's like a minute and a half long song that somehow like has just dominated the charts. Um, It like it beat out like Taylor Swift's latest single um, as, you know, in its third month of being number one, (laughs) it beat out her like brand new single. Like, and I love it. I like listen to it over and over again. I've not fucking gotten sick of it. It is not like the Natalie and Bruglia torn of its time because you're not sick of it yet. You are like excited to hear it. And he uh, he came out with a new album recently, too, that is like all kind of like these short sort of like, you know, like Internet hip hop tracks that he does. And it's great. Like every single song is fucking awesome i particularly like panini the first single off of it uh but i'm just like deeply into his music and then um billy eilish isn't it? she's like you know 17 year old singer songwriter who does a lot of work with her older brother and like she just came out with her first album a few months ago and there's this track on it called bad guy that i just like listen to over and over and over and over again there's i i just like i don't know something about this like like the kids are all right they're making like really sad (laughs) weird dark music that i really 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 like um and you know sad weird dark is particularly like the goth boy click stuff um when i say goth boy click i think mostly of lil peep who you know died like a little bit over a year ago i think at this point from a drug overdose on tour Um, but made like just this phenomenal raw music. Um, He had just like released his first album was on tour and uh, he has this song called um, 
save that shit that again is just just like on repeat song for me and has been for like well over a year now like it has not gotten old for me at all uh and then um wicca phase springs eternal is another one um they have a track with with little peep that i like a lot that i'll 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 put in I'll, I'll put in like a list of all these songs um as well as you know the ones you mentioned but yeah just like it's weird it's dark it doesn't follow traditional pop song structures while like being very much like pop music it's like pop internet music like there's something about it that i just fucking love can't get enough of and like really <laughs> into it what's that's your awesome. next thing matt <laughs> that's awesome dude um so this is apparently a very japan heavy things we like thing <laughs> because uh in addition to adrian's ava shout out i have another japanese thing and actually my, my my next two things are both related to japan <laughs> in some way but they're different so i i've recently been reading a bunch of the poetry of basho um mm. this is if you if you have ever heard of like one japanese poet he's probably the one that you've heard of he is uh, really well known for his haiku, which is a, ah. a very famous Japanese poetic form that you might have learned in school. Five, seven, five syllables in the mm -hmm. in the lines. Um, the original Japanese haiku are a little different from that. Um, the thing you might have learned in school that's a haiku is is almost maybe better thought of as like a American version of a haiku. Um, you know, also obviously since English is very different from Japanese. You know, there, there's different things you can do with poetry. But so Basho is this like incredible poet. Um, he's really, you know, an, an incredible. So I, I I obviously really like a lot of nerdy things. Um, poetry <laughs> no. is one of. <laughs> I know, right? Poetry is one of the nerdy things that I like. Um, it, it, you know, I, 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 I struggle sometimes because I think people will, will think that I'm just like, putting on airs or something but like i actually like like would get up in the morning and like read some of this and like feel amazing and like it, it makes my day you know when i like get up and, and read uh some some bajo and uh so one really cool thing about bajo one of the things he's, he's best known for in uh outside of japan is um he wrote these books uh among his other books he, he wrote some books which were basically sort of travelogues uh, records of mm. his long journeys that he took interspersed with poetry. And so oh, it's cool. like prose poetry mix. And uh, the most famous of these is called The Narrow Road to the Deep North in English. Um, and Ooh. you may have seen there's a very f uh, nice Penguin edition that collects that with some of his other travel writings that uh, definitely recommended. But, you know, I mean, it's, you know, if you have any interest in poetry or, or poetic prose or travel writing or, you know, Japan. Yeah, this stuff is is absolutely amazing. A lot of his poetry is about nature, mm -hmm. as was typical um, when he was alive. And uh, so nature nature poetry is is just like when was he I, writing? I, oh yeah. So he was alive during the Edo period. He lived um, in the last half of the seventeenth century. Okay, cool. Um, so you know, it's pretty old, but I mean, I think it's actually really easy to engage. Unlike a lot of old poetry. Mm -hmm. This is very easy to engage with, even if you're not like super into poetry. Like I'll give you an example since all of them are really, really short. You know, a haiku at least is very short. Right. He didn't only write haiku, but but his haiku are, you know, short. So this is one of the most famous haiku that anyone ever wrote. An ancient pond. A frog jumps in. The splash of water. 
So that's, you know, that's fucking uh, dope. I love it. <laughs> I can you see know, how you would wake up and like read some of these and like right? think and get to like, you know, yeah. yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. That haiku in particular um, in Japan is, is often like, it's like one of the most famous haiku, like of any right. haiku. And it was written by Basho Matsuo. Um, you know, I could, I could talk a lot more about him, but I think like at this point it's probably good enough. I definitely recommend it. It's absolutely beautiful stuff. I'm, I have, I have a few questions for you actually, cause oh, I'm sure. really curious. Um, one, are you reading it in translation or in Japanese or like, how are you reading it? Oh, I'm reading it in translation. My, I don't know, um, classical Japanese at all. Oh, okay. So, okay. Then you, you know. have like a little bit of modern Japanese, right? Yeah. I have, you know, like conversational modern Japanese uh, and, okay. and, uh, and I know, I know classical Chinese, but this right. is very different. Right. So cool. it's, it's not. It's not really readable to me uh, in Japanese, so yeah, makes sense. Um, yeah, I wasn't sure, given that, like you know, oh no, kanji it's a, it's a good and question. Chinese characters, oh are yeah, totally the same. So, uh, and then the other question I had is just like you know, you mentioned that like haiku is a very different form in Japanese. Like, what what is its form in Japanese? I'm, I'm super curious about like okay. the actual. Well, formal it's, it's not properties totally. It. I mean, it's sort of recognizable. Um, right. You've got typically um, three lines. And, uh, and then there's a syllable count for each line, mm -hmm. but the, the main difference is that it's not really about hewing so closely to the syllable count. Right. There's two, two main differences. So one is like just that Jap the Japanese language is, um, is like highly is composed of these like relatively atomic, um, syllabic units. Yeah. Yeah. In a way more that so English than, like, is letters, not. Right. Yeah. And so, first of all, it lends itself a lot more just by its nature to like having a syllable count line. Mm -hmm. And not only that, but it's also true that, um, especially in the Japanese of the Edo period, um, the typical phrase length in normal speech was such that these were that like a 575 thing is like a good way to divide up phrases. It, ah. it just like based on like an empirical analysis, if you did an empirical analysis, which some people have done, like you would find that, that those are typical phrase lengths. And so that works really well in Japanese in a way that it doesn't in the same way in English. Right. And then the thing I was saying before a second ago is just that like, you know, they like in in classical Japanese um, haiku, which at the time they weren't called that, but whatever, they actually don't always use the same number of syllables. That's actually mm -hmm. like a it's because it's not about that it's like sort of about that but it's also just not and right. you know cool no that's that's super helpful I've, I've you know always known that like japanese haiku is not the same thing as like what we teach school children as is a mm -hmm. haiku in english but like don't really know more than just that fact and so it's cool to, yeah. to hear a little bit about there's it. a lot more to be said on that to answer that question uh, much of which i think is actually like probably sort of important that but it's right beyond also the scope. outside the scope of yeah <laughs> stay in your lane scope exceeded <laughs> sorry reference to last podcast we just recorded <laughs> um cool so i'll do my last bit here which will be pretty quick uh compared to my other two i know i over talk but um it's a cookbook it's called indian ish it's by priya krishna yeah uh, it's fucking dope it's so good um it is a Indian cookbook by like an Indian woman who's like about our age, um, who is Indian American. So she, I mean, she's like born and raised in America, uh, but to Indian parents. And so it's sort of like the food that her parents and her like extended family in America, I think in Texas in particular, 
cooked as like a synthesis of like cooking traditional Indian food, but like in an American kitchen with American ingredients and like doing their best they could. Um, And so there's a couple of things that this does. One is that it's like very authentic to like a very like to an individual's cooking. Like it's it's, you know, not authentic in the sense of like real Indian food, but authentic in the sense of like this is the food from like someone's actual household, which I always appreciate that a lot. Like I like those kinds of cookbooks Um, Two, she does. She's like a really phenomenal food writer. Uh, There's a lot of essays in the book and even every individual um recipe really focuses on the why like she's teaching you the ideas that go into these dishes as much as like the specifics of what to do to make this dish um which i'm always a big fan of because i mean as you know matt i love cooking and i've been a professional cook like a number of times i love interacting with food in a way that is not just about how do I learn this recipe, but like, what are the ideas contained in this recipe that I can go and like apply to other things? How can I actually like learn how to cook in a specific style that makes all of my cooking better? And, um, this is the kind of cookbook that really is focused on those things. Um, also the food is all like really easy and quick to make. Um, you know, there's a couple of specialty ingredients that you can all get on at, on Amazon these days. I mean, like, you know, the world is tiny. You can find all the like weird spices you need to find and it's relatively inexpensive to do so. Uh, I'm lucky to live in New York city where there's some great like Indian spice markets that I go to for my spices anyway. So I just like, you know, when I made a spice run, like picked up a couple of specialty ingredients and, um, you know, one of my favorite dishes, there's two dishes I've made multiple times from the book. One is uh, aloe gobi, which is um, cauliflower so and potatoes. Uh, really good. I, I just like call out to that dish because it's really good. Uh, and there's another one which is really kind of typifies this ethos of like, how do you make Indian food in an American kitchen, which is sog, not paneer, but sog feta. Um, where instead of using paneer, which is really hard to find in America, you tend to have to make it yourself in most recipes that call for it. Instead, she has a very great sog gravy, like the, you know, uh, spinach base gravy that they make, um, with, uh, feta instead of paneer and feta works so well it's so fucking delicious it's great i love <laughs> I, it because i live in a greek neighborhood so i can just yeah. go buy like this like imported bulgarian feta that is like amazing and like put it in this dish and it's it's so good it's it's mind-blowingly delicious can confirm i have eaten right, I cooked it both for of you, those right. dishes <laughs> i have eaten both of those dishes made by adrian based on this book and they are fucking delicious yeah so i highly recommend the book she also uh she works for uh bon appetit so she has a bunch of um video recipes from this book like you can find i think both of these recipes in video recipe format as well as on the bon appetit website on youtube whatever um just like google priya krishna um or indianish or whatever and you will like find these recipes and they're totally 100 percent worth making that's awesome I love it. Yeah. Well, I got one more. Great. Let's bang right through this. As I as I hinted, this is another Japanese thing. Um, it's a little different, though. I'm so into Japan right now. <laughs> um, so I learned in the last week about the existence of an awesome ancient Japanese wizard. And I want to share that. I want to share that with you. Yes. Today. I'm so into this, Matt. Yes. <laughs> so I have to move away from the mic to express my interest. Yeah, in this. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's amazing. All right. So 
Uh, there is a guy who is a real historical figure named Abe no Seime, um, who is sometimes referred to as the Japanese Merlin. Um, and as you will see, that's a pretty apt comparison. He uh, lived about a thousand years ago, and he was a master of omyoji or omyodo. He was, a, he was an omyoji. He was a master of omyodo, which means he was a master of the way of the yin and the yang, which is to say that he was an occultist, a spiritualist, uh, a, a diviner, a, a practitioner of various different forms of religious uh, mm -hmm. magic, basically. Mm -hmm. I mean, the use of the word magic is a little loaded, but like that's more or less what he did in the same way that Merlin, you know, in many uh, representations was like a druid and right. pra practiced like druidic magic. Um, also like Merlin, he, despite like, well, Mer Merlin is somewhat less of a real historical figure than Abe no Seime, <laughs> but, but like Merlin, Abe no Seime appears in like so many different legends and stories from so many different eras mm -hmm. that there's no way that like, there's a real connection between the person and any of those things, even if he is a real person. Um, among his many magical powers ascribed to him, the ability to tell the future, the ability to live for hundreds of years, the ability mm -hmm. to kind of manipulate time in weird ways sometimes. Um, he's typically depicted as this like wise old man um, with uh, with lots of amazing powers. So that's cool, right? That's really cool. There's mm -hmm. all kinds of cool old legends that involve him. Also cool is what happened about 20 years ago. About 20 years ago, Abe no Seime was like, reborn as a like bishonen manga character <laughs> now bishonen is a is a like a a, a type in in like shoujo manga all right there's a lot of uh, uh like like uh terms here but let's okay so in some types of manga there's a certain kind of character that like appears a lot and it's like this also young... manga being like comics yes. like yes. japanese comics exactly um there's a certain in, in some manga that is typically aimed at young women, mm -hmm. but not only um, there. And there's so much more to say about the definition of shoujo. But there's a type of character who's like a young, pretty boy who often mm -hmm. engages in homoerotic romance. Mm -hmm. And that type mm -hmm. is called bishonen or for short, bishi. If you Google this, you will find so much more than you want to know about it. But, <laughs> you know, yeah, do it's a, a lot. Safe there's a lot going on here. <laughs> so what you have to imagine then is that this ancient Japanese, um, you know, real historical figure who in real history was a, an advisor to the emperor and stuff, um, who has all these legends associated with him, who is typically depicted as this old wise man, has been reimagined as a like young, hot, gay boy who has a lot of amazing gay romances and also does magic. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god i love it it's so good it's, yeah it's, it's so, so good, right? good and so oh. you can now because of like the popularity of of him as a character um you can go to the like and because of the fact that he was a real historical figure you can go to this like you know ancient shrine devoted to him devoted to the like worship of him and buy bishi merch ah <laughs> 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 oh that's so great yeah it's that's amazing so great <laughs> so yeah i'm a fan wow i can i can see why that is i love everything about that the like 
combination of this like ancient history and like modern art form and the like weird blending between the two and and you know both in literature as well as like that then coming into the real world and into like you know his his ah yes it's amazing right and and at this point the like bishi version of him is so popular that he's appeared in like a bunch of different things in bishi form right which is like also though true to his like historical literary legacy (laughs) <laughs> where yeah. he like in, ha, was involved in yeah. a bunch of like different like exactly. you know legends ah oh, yes it's amazing 100 into it <laughs> yeah it's amazing oh okay that's that's super cool i'm thank you for sharing that matt because yeah. that makes me really happy <laughs> i'm glad i'm so glad i get to make you happy that's that makes it all worth it i love it so <sighs> i think with that we're gonna we're gonna wrap things up in this edition of things we like Mm-hmm. Um, you know, massive thank you to you, Adrian, and obviously also to our supporters, our fans, to you the, too, Matt. fans. And um, we'd like to thank, um, you know, Noah Bradley for the art, noahbradley.com, WJ for the outro music that you'll be hearing right now. Mm. And uh, we will see you next time. Yeah. Glad to see you, Matt. Bye, folks. Peace out. <laughs>